Welcome back to the Beerly Hockey Podcast, Puckheads, presented by Beerly Sports. I'm your host, Phil Razor, and tonight I am once again joined by the audacious Aaron Kinney and the nuanced Nate McBride. Nate, we'll start with you. You're wearing all red, my guy. You got a little blue jackets on, a little Detroit Red Wings on. How are we doing down there? And, uh, you know, what are we drinking tonight? We're doing okay. We're flu gaming it tonight, boss. So we're uh, we're just surviving, not thriving. Um, no uh, no alcohol tonight. We're we're sticking with our H two O. I know this is the beerly hockey podcast, but we are also the healthy hockey podcast. And when you're down, you take water and vitamin C, not beer. Cough drops and bourbon. Mm-hmm. That's what Maryland that's an- does. That's another remedy too. That's what Maryland does. Not crab cakes and football. Aaron, how are we doing tonight, my guy? I know you're doing uh, sober January, but or dry January, if you will. But, uh, you know, I know you probably have something for uh, the people. And how's everything going? I like that Stars sweater, by the way. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, well, I regret to inform some or maybe celebrate to inform some. The uh, the dry January streak broke over the weekend. So we, are, we're, we made it three weeks. That's enough for me. I had to work on... Uh, just an absolute dog shit Jeep engine over the weekend, and it's I couldn't get through it without cracking a couple beers. So I said, "Fuck it, let's let's just light them up and go." I am doing much better than a couple of the teams we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get to that a little later. But I uh, hope you get feeling better there, Nate. Man, it sounds like you're kind of battling it. So uh, appreciate the uh, the 200 foot effort you're putting in over here. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, we're uh, wouldn't wouldn't miss it for the listeners. You know, we're gonna st- we're gonna tough it out. Um, but Holy I... shit, dude! Holy shit, guys! I gotta I gotta stop like a live update here. I'm watching the Bruins Canes game, and one of the Bruins players literally just got the blade of his stick caught in between two boards. Oh, on the ice. I've seen that before, dude. That's sketchy. Yeah, that, that's rare. Yeah. yeah, got got stuck right in there. Had to skate away without it. I mean, that thing's lethal for somebody skating by. Dude, I've seen it before too, where they get stuck in the camera hole, where like the people put their lenses through. Every once in a while, you see a stick just like jutting out at like you know chest level from one of them things. It's wild. Yeah, um, I did forget though, boys. I'm a little out of practice here with the drinking thing. Uh, Elvis juice tonight, Brewdog Elvis juice. Good choice. Always a sound decision. Well done, Aaron. Uh, welcome back to being uh, on the wagon, off the wagon, whatever wagon. Yeah, we the are on, a wagon. He's, he's fully back on the wagon. Yeah, we gave we gave the liver a little bit of a break. It's time to go back into it now. Yep, it needs to be punished, boys. I uh, Coors Banquet. I don't know if you can see that. There you go, Coors Banquet tonight for me. Um, just a classic. Probably my probably my favorite outside of Labatt. My my favorite Labatt Light is my favorite light beer. Coors Banquet is my favorite you know, non-light, regular, traditional. Your favorite banquet beer. My favorite diesel beer. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's been a roller coaster down here, by the way. The high on Saturday here was 29. Everybody was dying. Uh, everybody's congested in the state of North Carolina. So um, now it's back up into the uh, the mid-60s, but it's raining. So proper January winter uh, down here in yeah, the it's old been... uh, Tar Heel State. Well... Today it flipped over to 40s and rainy, so yeah, we're, I think that's uh, what... we're a little bit better than the uh, the 10 degrees we had last week, though. I gotta say, it, the same thing though. Everybody's gonna be sick perpetually for the next month and a half. Yeah, pretty much. January just sucks, man. This month just like there there are always does it. Months. 
I always I always get sick in January. I always end up getting sick in January and no other month. Everybody gets sick and then you also deal with, you know, it's just it's 31 days. You go through the high and low of December of, you know, the anticipation of the holidays, see the family, do all that, drink a lot. The January is just brutal. So it drags, dude. It There's drags. Just nothing to look forward to in January. It like Besi- besides the beerly hockey podcast. Yep. Every every week, you guys, we, we're trying to bring some joy into your lives. We certainly are, and uh, we're going to start this podcast with a crazy move coming out of New York, Long Island specifically, uh, last week. And you know, apparently, the New York Islanders had enough of Lane Lambert. They sent him packing. Out of nowhere on Saturday, just absolutely stealing the show here. Patrick Waugh introduced as the head coach of the New York Islanders. Uh, Patrick Waugh previously uh, was a head coach of the Colorado Avalanche, the team in which he uh, not only but predominantly made a name for himself while he was playing in the NHL. Uh, three years there, he went uh, out in the first round his rookie year as an NHL head coach. He then uh, missed playoffs the other two years. Surprising because he went, you know, 52 and 22 and eight OTLs in his first year, 39, 31 and 12 the year after that and 39, 39 and four. So he's never had a losing record uh, in terms of just wins and losses. We'll keep the OTLs out of there. Um, but, you know, definitely butted, you know, butted heads at the front office, him and Joe Sackick went at it many times <clears throat> as well as the ownership group sent him out. Uh, he was a few years out of coaching. He's been in the queue for a while and he is back now with the New York Islanders uh, funny enough, he did show up entirely clean-shaven for his first practice. The press conference, he had a nice beard, but, you know, clean-shaven and everything. So, um, guys, Patrick Waugh back in the NHL, back coaching. Do you think this is the kind of kick in the ass that the Islanders need? They have been playing, um, we'll say, a non-Islander style of hockey all year. Is this exactly the kind of coaching change that you think they need to kind of propel them into a, a wild-card spot, if not a top-three spot in the Metropolitan Division? I'll let you take this one here, Nate. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts before I go in on Lou Lamarillo's dumbass. Uh, that's exactly where I was gonna go, dude. Lou Lamarillo's dumbass. I I don't un- I I don't understand this move. I don't understand why you were so quick to get rid of Lane Lambert. Like, you weren't doing horribly this season thus far, and now you've brought in a guy that has you know i i mean patrick wide it's a very well-known name in the hockey world but this guy is not done great as an nhl coach he's been you know he won he won the quebec league last year with the quebec ramparts but dude that's that's the juniors this is the fucking show i'm sorry i i don't get this move lane lambert was doing just fine honestly lane lambert come to fucking columbus please we we'd love you no fucking way, dude. I I meant Lou Lamarillo's dumbass for hiring Lane Lambert in the first place. You can Barry Trotz, the the greatest active coach at the time, in my opinion, for his assistant, who has just let this Islanders team deteriorate under his watch. In his two seasons here, I mean, he is fucking... What is it? He's 62... 47 and 20 so like barely a winning record here really if you factor in the otls it's a losing a losing record but the they are just hemorrhaging goals i mean this was this team's mantra we're going to be 
we're old, we're slow, but we're going to be responsible and we're going to play good it's defense. Not on, it's not on him for letting this team fall out of disrepair, though. I think a lot of it also falls on Lou Lamorello. I, yes, it does. But, like, at least what Barry Trotz had done with these subpar rosters is get him to buy in and show effort and play good defense. Like, defense yeah, is effort. And Lane Lambert is just, like, allowed that shit to slide all over the place. Islanders' overs were hitting like crazy all year. Uh, they had been in the doldrums of a ridiculous losing streak here. I mean, uh, sorry, not quite a streak, I guess. I mean, they had one win in, like, their last seven or eight games. But Patrick Waugh, on the other hand, uh, I, I believe a correction is in order here, Phil. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche did not fire Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh left the Colorado Avalanche high and dry. Sorry. Because... If I said they fi- if I said they fired him, I I meant it, that they parted ways. Yeah, no, he uh, you... he just straight up resigned, dude. But right before yeah. the season, like caught everyone by surprise. That was the season they hired Bednar at the last minute, barely even got training camp, and finished dead last in the league before you know turning into the machine we see now. But yeah. he won the Central Division, which with the Avalanche team in his first year. I mean, he and he's... lost and lost in round one. Yeah, and lost in seven games in round one. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's yeah. You won. You won fifty-two games in year one, but then then I look at then I look at what happened after that. His second year, eighty-two games, thirty-nine wins, thirty-one losses. Year three, thirty-nine wins, thirty-nine losses. And that was as the team Sackick was starting to make some rebuilding moves around that point, and that is what really drove the wedge between the two because. Patrick Waugh wanted to have input on these personnel decisions. He wanted to ice a competitive team, but you have them trading away some of their veteran guys, like Ryan O'Reilly gets tossed out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I can't remember if Matt Duchesne. Duchesne uh, was right around that time, Yeah, too. I think he got traded during Bednar's first season. I can't remember for sure, but like this team was clearly going like towards youth, and that's when they started drafting you know, the Rantanen and the McCarr and the Samuel Gerrard and like just going into a rebuild, so... Patrick Waugh, not his philosophy. He's, he wanted to have control personnel decisions too, and the front office just wouldn't let him. Um, and b- before the season started, when he was a head coaching candidate for our Columbus Blue Jackets here, imagine how happy we'd be if they would have hired him instead of fucking Mike Babcock. Then yeah. he came out and stated, like, I, I've i kind of learned that you can't do both jobs in the NHL. Like, I, I don't need to have control of you know management or personnel decisions like i just want to coach i i want to show that i'm a good coach and i mean he he's got the island he's got one win one loss you know one of them was against vegas it's too early to tell really but like he has been intense on the bench he's been intense at practice stopping drills really lighting a fire under these guys ass after lane lambert had pretty much fostered it it's partially Lane Lambert and partially the fact that all these guys are locked up to infinity year deals. It's like, there's just no motivation there. Like you're getting paid, you're set for life. Your coach really doesn't have a hard bone in his body. So it's like, let's just fucking mail it in. But that's not happening under Patty. Wah. we saw him play with fire in Montreal and in Colorado. I, I think that we've seen him coach with fire in Colorado. He's coached with fire and juniors. I, I really think that he's going to bring a little bit of pizzazz and entertainment to this Islanders team. Yeah, and like it, that hard style of play, to be honest, is what they're going to need going into any matchup they would get with any of the teams that are going to come out of, you know, the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference to me is a little, I don't know, it's a little more grinded out style. The like the teams in the West 
now that they don't have big boy fuck you hockey out there in the Pacific oh, in the Central really? Division. No, no, no. I said not that they don't. They do. But the teams out in the West tend to be a little more finesse-based, in my opinion. You got a little more faster pace. Whereas I'm, in the East, I'm totally on the opposite side. Well, here's why, and I'm gonna, I'm, I will let you know why I disagree with you here. Then, Aaron, uh, you look at the teams in the East, right? The superstars grind you out in the East. The Ovechkins, the Crosbys. Over the history of the East, they, they will grind you out. You know, I... the teams in the East, the teams in the East go out and get the Ryan Reeves of the world. You know what I mean? Like the only team that right now is in a playoff position that I don't see that out of is Toronto. And that's because Bertuzzi, for whatever reason, isn't doing what Bertuzzi normally does in Toronto, or at least it's not as effective as what it used to be when he was in Detroit and Boston. But when I watch teams in the East, the ones that struggle, the Torontos, they're the ones that don't have that fuck you element. Teams like Boston, teams like Florida, grind you out. See, Boston and Florida are the only ones I can think of that that would even qualify for. Washington, you don't think over the like, Washington's last a years? bottom feeder now, dude. They've just plummeted yeah. down the standings. I, the New York Rangers will grind you out. No, I, see, I don't think so, man. They're here lately. Like we we were Philly. Philly certainly grinds you out. Philly, Philly, I will say, but they don't have any superstars. Like that, no, their whole don't. team just plays solid defense. I yeah, I just don't. The East, I think, is still very finesse. Like the Rangers, they have a couple of big bodies. J- Jacob Trouble will throw some hits. But their yeah. bread and butter is that power play and that finesse skill. Sure. And, like, Carolina plays hard, but they're not, like, heavy hockey grinding you out. They just have a, a four-check, and they're responsible on their own end. You look at Vegas with their mammoths on defense, the Kings, yeah. Vancouver, uh, fucking Dallas, like, every team in the West almost. Uh, even Edmonton now with Evander Kane playing with a little bit of an edge again now, and they just signed Corey Perry, like— they're starting to get even a little bit of grit to them. So it's, yeah, I I completely disagree. I think the East is still a little softer. All right. Uh, I You know, and maybe that's just what I've watched versus whatever versus bias, I guess we could say. But I it's not to say that there, you know, like I said, it's not to say that there isn't all of, you know, everything of that nature going on out in, you know, the Central, the Pacific. The Central, I agree. The Central, I agree 100%, is a grinded out fuck you league. The Pacific to me is trying to get there, but there are a lot of teams there that I, I just don't see that in. I think, yeah, the Kings have a guy like Philip Deneau that'll, you know, that'll do that. But at the end of the day, for every one of him, there's a Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know? Like, uh, I don't know. Pierre-Luc that, Dubois that, is one in a million, man. That guy, yeah, that guy's not grinding the, shit out. And I don't think anybody else on that Kings team is playing with that same kind of mentality. No. Just as a whole, I guess I, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it. It's as a whole. That's how I view the Western Conference. Yeah, that's okay, man. The, you can view it that way. The, Just the, know you're wrong. At, at least the Pacific part of the Western yeah. Conference, then, because the Atlantic. When I think of the Atlantic, I think of Tampa. That'll beat you any way they possibly can. I'll th- I th- think of Boston. That does absolutely grind you out. You know, I th- you know Toronto's the only one there that I don't see that in in the Atlantic Division. Every other team that's been there in the last. You know, Florida obviously will fuck you up. You know, when I think of the good teams in the Atlantic over the last two, three years, that's what I think. When I think of the Metropolitan, I think of just overall well-balanced, well-rounded hockey. There's plenty of skill and there's plenty of fuck you. The Central Division, yes, it has both. But I think of the Pacific, I don't feel that. When I watch it, I don't think of that the same way. I think Vegas absolutely has it. No one else out there really has it, in my opinion, 
the way that the other divisions do. Yeah, I don't know, man. Vancouver this year, I think they're leading the charge in that regard. Well, they're trying to, yeah, I, it, yes. Rick Tockett is definitely like, we're not going to be seen as, you know, the greatest show on turf, if you will. Yeah. We're not going to go up and, up and down and win 6-5. Those days are gone. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think that it's just, I don't know. Maybe you and I are just watching different parts of different games, but I, I really think that the West is a hell of a lot heavier than the East, top to bottom. I should have said the Pacific and not the entire West because the Central, I think, is very heavy. Yeah. Well, and see, that's, so, that's the thing. So the Pacific, Dallas, Colorado. Not even Colorado. Colorado's not even St. heavy. St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, Colorado's just the fucking Globetrotters, man. They're they're finesse hockey, if you're going to call that. Except for McKinnon when he just gets on a fucking bull tear run. I think, well, Colorado over, I don't know. I don't know. At the risk of sounding angry, I'll stop there. <laughs> It's all right. We're allowed to disagree. Well, no, no, dis- no, disagree. Disagreeing is good, but maybe we we see it differently. So that's just, you know, back with Colorado had Ryan O'Reilly. They certainly weren't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. What was that like eight years ago? People don't forget. People don't forget. Super bad. <laughs> like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. Um, yeah, Nate. Do you have any uh, anything to throw in there? I don't. I think you two said it all. <laughs> Nate's no, like, fair. let's sure... move off this fucking topic. <laughs> no, I'm sure, the, I'm sure the, the listeners will tell me I'm an idiot. Because um, it's never the people that agree with you that find you. It's the people that disagree with you that always find you. Um, let's hop over to, uh, you know, we obviously we're talking about the Islanders and Patrick Waugh. You know, they are one and one. We'll see how that pans out. Let's go to a team that might be making a coaching change at some point soon, too. And that is the new jersey devils they currently sit fourth in the metropolitan division um they did just beat vegas last night at the time of recording and they play the carolina hurricanes by the time you hear this but this team has been streaky you know up and down they win one they lose one they win one they lose two they win one they lose two they win two it's been a very up and down season not a lot of consistency um except for the inconsistent consistency i guess uh which if that makes sense but yeah, being consistently inconsistent is how we'll describe the New Jersey Devils. Um, Nate, we'll start with you. Do you see a coaching change coming, or do you think the injuries have just been a lot for them when they start getting these guys back that, you know, the Devils can turn it around? Yeah, I, I don't think the Devils are going to be quick to make a leg jerk move on this one. Um, I think the injuries are, you know, pretty understandable. And you're, you know, you've finally got Timo Meyer back. You're finally getting Andre Palat back. Um, but then you've got Jack Hughes that's, you know, back to week to week again. Um, so yeah, the injuries have really plagued this season for the New Jersey Devils. And even with that going on, this team has managed to somehow position itself back into fourth in the Metro, but the Metro is just so skin tight right now. Like you've got the Rangers at 61, the Phillies or the Flyers at 56, Carolina at 55. And then New Jersey and the Islanders at 51. So it's pretty – and then the – oh, and then the Caps right there at 50. So I, I, I don't know. It could be another couple games, and this team is back down in sixth, seventh in this division. I don't th- – I just don't think they're going to leg jerk, get rid of Lindy Ruff. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I mean – and let's not forget how bad the goaltending has been too. I mean, it's awful, man. Yeah. Like, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do when you have two guys that can't that can't stop a cold? You've got 
your number one center superstar offensive engine out of the lineup twice now this year. You've got your number one defenseman, Dougie Hamilton, out until the playoffs if they make it there. You have also lost two rocks on your defensive end with fucking Damon Severson and Ryan Graves leaving. So you're kind of baptizing Simon Nimich and Luke Hughes by fire going into that. And you can't buy a save. So it's like, Lindy Ruff, I, I don't think any of this is really on him. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe he can be yelling a little bit louder, getting these guys to work a little harder. I mean, they are more of a rush and turnover-based team versus like a cycle grind hard team. But it's, I mean, they're playing to their strengths there and they're just missing some pieces. So I, I think they'll end up being okay in I mean, the they long sent, run. I just don't they know sent your season. They sent your boy Akira Schmid back down to the minors, dude. Like yeah. you've got, you got Nico Dawes, who's giving you a 90 save percentage, 3.19 goals allowed. And then Vitek Vanacek, 3.28 goals allowed with an 88 save percentage. Like that is atrocious. Yeah. You're, how are you supposed to win when your goalie can't keep anything out of the net? You can put as many goals up as you want, man. But if your goalie's letting in more, you're that's it. And that win so, you just got in Vegas, man. I mean, fucking six five in overtime. You're allowing five goals, and your your talent is just bailing you out there. Which is really a miracle against that Vegas team that we all know is responsible defensively. It's just yeah, yeah. Lindy Ruff, they, I I I like his coaching style. I like what he's done. He is not to blame for this, in my opinion. No, there's goaltending. There's I think you can even see it sometimes. There's a little bit of effort there too. Yeah, and like the the inexperience too on the back end can't be overstated, especially losing Hamilton. You've got such a young. Uh, under-equipped blue line that like there, there's a lot of guys who can be stars in the future there but i just they're just not quite ready to log all these big minutes yet they losing those veterans which you can't really blame the gm because you you don't want to pay severson and graves those ridiculous contracts that they got to keep them around especially with these young guys coming up fighting for roster spots it's just it's a little bit of a like three steps forward last year one step back this year and then you you know you progress in the long run you hope you hope to see two steps forward next year. Yeah. But along you know, along with these injuries, you now have two guys that are on an indefinite leave of absence and Michael McLeod and Cal Foot. Yeah, that's uh Yeah, that's uh, a it, that's a whole different can of worms that, you know, for those that pay attention to the league, they know that there are five players off that twenty eighteen uh Canadian World Juniors team that have been um sent back to Ontario on an indefinite definite leave of absence. Um, four from the NHL and one from Switzerland. Um, do we, we know are that not... they were all sent back to Ontario? I, I don't yeah, know. That well, they that's were... just that's the report. Is that they've the all report been... is the report is that the London Ontario police asked five unnamed individuals to surrender to London Ontario police. Yeah. Yeah. And so... we now and we now we have now seen five players four in the NHL, one in the Swiss league that have gone and that have gone on indefinite leave of absences. Yeah. So you can put two we and would two think, together. You, we would think two plus two equals four. Yeah. I just, I don't want to say they went back to Ontario if we don't know it as a fact. Like it, now what this we, is such a now touchy we, subject, you know? Now what this means now, now what this means, they say surrendered. Now this doesn't mean that these individuals are guilty of anything. All this means is they have, I, I, all this means is they have surrendered for questioning. 
So they are reporting to this police department for questioning on a sexual assault allegation that happened after the 2018 World Junior Championships. Yep, it's it's Carter Hart, Dylan Dubé, Michael McLeod, Cal Foote, and Alex Formentin. Uh, Alex is the one that is formerly of Ottawa. Uh, they still own his rights, but he plays over in the Swiss League. And then, uh, you know, the other two that we mentioned with the Devils and then Carter Hart uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers and Dylan Dubé with the Calgary Flames. And so, it should be stated uh, that for Dubé, the Flames actually released in their statement that he was going on a leave of absence for, quote-unquote, mental health reasons and, yeah. and not anything else. So it's like, it, for one thing, if they're saying it's mental health and it actually is this, that's pretty fucked up. If Why not, the fuck you lying? Yeah. If not, then like that's, uh, I don't know. The whole thing is just really hairy, and it's, yeah. It all we can do is report. We're not gonna we're make. Seeing. We're not gonna yeah. make any comments. We're not gonna do any kind of speculating on here. All we will do is state facts as they unfold. Mm -hmm. Right now, this is all we've got. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. We're just reporting what uh, has been out there on Twitter. Uh, you know, slash everything. You know, all the other outlets that we've seen. Anything on? We're not. Yeah, like I said, we're not. Uh, we're not speculating. We, we are, that. but we will say we are an anti-sexual assault podcast. Oh we, yes, that I goes think. without saying. That goes without Absolutely. saying. But it, but but it needed. Yeah, it, it's it's always good to to state it to make sure everybody knows. Nate froze as he was absolutely. There, but um, yeah, so we can uh, we can move off this topic. Let's go over to something that Nate is going to love talking about. Nate, why don't you dance on the graves? Of the Pittsburgh Penguins, my guy. I dude, I I've I've gone so up and down with these guys, and they're just they're shit, dude. You you own goal yourselves in a game, hilarious. Let's just laugh at that. Like, you got to be a real like. Not even the Blue Jackets have owned goal have owned gold themselves this year. So you got a leg up on us, you fucktards. Um, but this team is in a absolute shit storm and you just got to think did Kyle Dubas put them in this position or did they put that was this in the was, was this the position they were in when he came in because this team is getting one line of production your Crosby Gensel Russ line and then you've got Malkin who's gonna who's giving you who's gonna give you points Drew O'Connor underwhelming as shit Colin White who Ricard Raquel is not having himself a year 32 games played five Genos 11 assists boys that is a very underwhelming year from Ricard Raquel Lars Eller 34 years old that was a great signing wasn't it guys yeah um 44 games eight goals six assists 14 points um Nola Chari that was that was a big move by these guys big move 36 games played, three Genos, one assist, four points. Jeff, and he's on a line with Jeff Carter, 39 years old. I mean, this, the average age of this roster's got to be 34. Got to be. I mean, you've got, you've got Sid at 36, Malkin, 37, Carter, 39, Latang, 36. Their, 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 their average age is, is 31 years old, 30.8. Okay, well, I was slightly off, but still, you're hey, old as fuck. Exaggerating for effect, Nate. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you're you're just old as shit, man. Like, and I, I'm sorry, you're not really. Your goaltending is doing okay 
Alex Njokovic is giving you 917 and 2.66 goals allowed, eight eight wins, three losses. And then Tristan Jerry, 2.56 goals allowed, 91 save percentage. But this team is just old. They can't move up and down the ice like they used to a few years ago. And then outside of your just names that have been there for fucking years, you've got a lot of no names that aren't doing shit. It's for you. The same problem as last year, dude. Scoring depth is not there. You've got yeah. Sidney Crosby turning in one of the best seasons of his career. He's on pace for 50 goals for just the second time in his illustrious career at the age of 36. And you can't get any fucking support for him. You went all in st- fucking buying Eric Carlson high after that Norris Trophy season. That he's... was the dumbest move you... That was the dumbest move you could have made because he's not... I mean, he's producing for you in the assist category but he's not doing anything for you anything for you when it comes to when it comes to goals and defensively no. defensively I mean, he's awful defensively, he's awful defensively not good you've also got fucking let's look at some of kyle dubas's other additions here shall we? nola chari fucking i think you mentioned him there with the uh the age thing there nate but fucking three but goals. he's 32 years old he's 32 years old he, what is he like all he's all he is is sandpaper and a grinder. You didn't need this team he's, didn't need that. He's been like okay in past seasons. He's got three goals and one assist in thirty six games. Matt Nieto, good penalty killer, veteran, went to the Cup final with the Sharks a while back. One goal, three Healthy. assists, four games. Healthy on on the IR. Yeah, it's it, you've got guys that are just like. It's like the recycle bin of like the shit that's left over that nobody wants in the bottom six, and it's. I didn't think it could get worse than Mikhail Granlin last year. Hold on, hold on, hold on, guys, hold on. No, they they have a savior sitting down there. You ready for this? You know who they have? Jesse Pujarvi. Oh Jesus! I saw that he's he's playing in the A right now. Yeah, I forgot they brought him in. They're they're grassroots. I I personally, boys, think that Kyle Dubas, he. He came into this thing thinking long-term. He got that huge fucking deal. I think he's looking at rebuilding this team in his own image. I I think that, like, he did what he could to tinker around the little edges here but didn't want to sell too many futures to really go all in and fix the problems. I think he's looking at, like, you got some of these contracts coming up here in a couple years. He's just going to do a complete scorched-earth teardown and try to rebuild what he did with Toronto. So... Let's look for some uh, kids who are probably like 15, 16 years old right now. You're going to get like three or four of them making $80 million, and then he's going to be putting in spare parts around them just like he did with the Maple Leafs. Why is why is Vinny Henestrosa down in the minors right now? It's, I mean. I, that Why is he down there? He's, he's only, he hasn't been he that had, good. Four, he had 14 games played, one goal, two assists. I mean, yeah, he wasn't producing, but. Again, that's a four. It's on a fourteen-game sample. Yeah, I don't know. I'd I'd have to see what his like underlying numbers are and like watch some of his film. But it Mike Sullivan. I was really I was high on that signing. I really was. Yeah, I I thought it was gonna work out better too. But I we all know Mike Sullivan's a very demanding coach. Like if you're not mm-hmm. doing the right things in your own end, you're not getting ice time. And maybe he just he didn't like what he saw there. It's it's really tough to say. But this thing's just like a little bit of a mess here boys i mean you look at the penguins they're three four and two in their last nine games they're just like 
you see that own goal against Phoenix or Arizona, I mean, and that's just like, it's the epitome of their season. It's like they, they've got talent. They can do some shit. Crosby's doing anything and everything he can to get these guys back into the playoffs. And the rest of the team is just weighing him down like an anchor. It's it's so now sad I, to see for a, a legend of the game who I'm not a Penguins fan, but Sidney Crosby, I gotta give respect where it's due. Like this guy is a monster and he deserves better than this. Hey, let's not forget about another offseason signing that Kyle Dubas made. Riley Smith, thirty two years old. Yeah. Yeah, and I really liked what I saw from him early in the season playing with Malkin, but here lately he's just been kind of grinding it out like these other guys. It's well, and they've got him. They've got him listed as a scratch right now, list dealing with an upper body injury. Yeah, yeah. So like injuries, so. injuries are probably having an effect on these guys too. Um, uh, surprisingly, Tristan Jerry has actually played a decent amount of games. It, usually, we see him injured about this time of year. So I mean, that's, yep. that's one positive they got going for him. Ryan Graves, I really haven't been impressed with him either. After getting that big deal, it's. I don't know, man. Things just aren't really falling into place the way that you would expect them to. This is a team that I could see. Like, Mike Sullivan, amazing head coach, back-to-back cups. He He's done a lot with not a whole lot considering injuries. A lot of these seasons getting the pens in the playoffs when, you know, their personnel has been very limited. But I, I'm wondering if he might be on the hot seat. I think he's in bigger danger than Lindy Ruff, to be completely honest here, boys. That's a hot take. I like that, though. I and, like that, Aaron. I mean, he's been there forever. There's, it's just like every coach has a shelf life, you know? There's also a standard in Pittsburgh that they've established uh, in more recent times of winning than New Jersey has in recent times. You know, New Jersey has their cups. They had their, you know, their era, I guess. But Pittsburgh's still in it right now with one of the best to ever play the game. Nay, I want to go back to what you said. You said Nolachari, they brought in sandpaper when they didn't need it. They did need sandpaper, but they needed sandpaper that can produce. They needed more Evander Canes, Matthew, I mean, not Matthew Kachuk himself, you know, Josh Andersons of the world, if you will, guys that can put up 40, 50, 60 points a season and also throw the body around. Nolachari's career high in points is 27, and he never plays a full 82, even 80, you know, anywhere near that range. He usually plays 60 to 70 per season. So, He's not going to put up the point production you need. That's kind of, an, you know, looking back on it now, Sidney Crosby is there, you know, he's been there Sam for the last year and a half, you know, Sid takes it into his own hands and he shouldn't fucking have to. So that is on Kyle Dubas. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, Jake Gensel, free agent at the end of the year. He does have a no move clause. Where do we think, I, he, ends, I, where dude, do we think I, he ends the season? I, I've been saying it, dude. Van, I think we said it last episode, man. Vancouver makes the most sense for me. You've got capital that you can get rid of. And honestly, if you're Pittsburgh, you need to be selling high and like now on this kid because he. I don't see him coming back. I don't, I mean, to, to I mean, look, he's been able to play with Sidney Crosby for the early part of his career. That's great. Do you want to come back and play with 37 year old Sidney Crosby? I, I think. If he comes back, Sidney Crosby's going to be the reason. Like, he's had so much success producing with him. But, I mean, you nailed it, Nate. Since you threw that out there a couple weeks ago, we've got guys like Frank Saravalli and Elliot Freeman talking about buzz with Vancouver wanting to do something on on uh, Gensel. I mean, it's Vancouver wants to do it, but it's it's all about whether or not the Pens think they can get him signed to a reasonable number. I mean, Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman called me about it. Oh, yeah, did he? Classic. <laughs> Just working the fucking phones over there, bud. Nate, um, Nate's like, what up, Fridge? Hey, yeah, yeah hold on. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's really the decision's completely in Gensel's hands because I think if he's willing to take a little bit of a discount that'll give this team some flexibility and understand that like he's a very very good player but a lot of his production has come from the chemistry he's got with Crosby I mean they're just the perfect match like they they both are just so in tune with where the other one is on the ice Gensel's so good at finding those little soft areas where Crosby can find him or vice versa you know working to do some of the stuff that will free sit up to get to the areas he needs to go to they just it's like automatic with those two and I, I don't think Gensel produces quite as much without Crosby. So he's got to think about that too. It's like he, he won one cup with Pittsburgh, the second of the back-to-back, after joining the team midseason, getting the call up. It, does he want to hang around through you know, the end of Sid's glory years? Does he see the plan in place here to actually make this team competitive? Or is it going to be a full-on tank rebuild? And does he want to spend his career doing that? So that's... That's the decision he's got to make. Nobody else can really make it for him or know what's going on in his head. But, I mean, he seems like the kind of guy that would be stand-up enough to let him know, like, hey, I don't know if I want to resign here. If I do, it's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. You might want to dish me out to Vancouver, get some assets in return. If I'm Kyle Dubas, here's what I'm doing. I'm telling Jake Gensel, hey, here's a contract we'll offer you. It'll be decent. Uh, it's not going to be the most money in the world, but... If we're out of the playoffs, we'll offer it to you in the offseason after we trade you to Vancouver and get some fucking futures that'll help this team be better when you come back and sign here again. Now, that's not really kosher with the NHL, but if it's not on paper, they can't fucking track it. So that's what I would do if I'm the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. I like, I mean, I, I, you know who with, else? I agree with what you know, you're saying here, Aaron. You know who you know who else has the cap room for it, and I really don't want this one to happen. But Tampa has the cap room to make that move. I still don't understand how they have any cap room. <laughs> I'm like, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of it's sitting out on long term IR. Uh, okay. A lot of it's a lot of it's sitting out. Teal, a lot Teal of it is dipsy doodle over they've here got, with the LTI. They've got they've got seven million on long term IR. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, speaking of LTIR, real quick, and uh, a little bit of a Dubis connection here. You guys see Ryan Reeves' interview here recently? I have not, no. No, I did not. So he's been on LTIR for a little while. The Leafs have really been enjoying that cap space that's been freed up. Ryan Reeves sat down with, uh, I can't remember who the reporter was. It's a local guy in Toronto. But sat down with him and he's like, yeah, I'm good to go. I I feel great. My knees feel good. I'm I'm ready to go. I just, I'm waiting. The ball's in their court. I'm waiting on him to activate me. So he's pretty much calling him out for, like, manipulating the cap here. He's like... Yeah, I'm. I can play. I'm just on LTIR. I, I want to get back in the lineup. So it's like <clears> now, Rebo doesn't give a fuck. Now the Leafs are like, well, fuck. We better activate this guy, otherwise we're gonna get a little bit of a look in here from Gary Bettman about fucking cap manipulation. A little pee pee whack. They're gonna get a little yeah. pee pee whack. So Ryan Reeves just absolutely. I mean, he he completely shafted the Leafs with that contract. Three fucking oh, years. Yeah. Three years for Ryan Reeves with two fucked up knees. He wears braces every game. Like. Uh, this guy, I I love the fucking energy this guy puts out. He's like, yeah, fuck it. You guys want me? I'll go. Pay me. Pay me for three years. You're going to put me on an LTIR? Let me just go talk to the media a little bit and let them know I'm good to go and I can play. It's like, Man, he whistled, he whistled blew the fuck out of them. No shit, man. I Power move by Revo. Absolutely love it. Leafs fans crying. They're they're in desperation. They got to, you know, yeah. four, of their, four of their players are making 50% of their cap. 
yeah, it's uh, it's gonna get a little hairy too in Mitch. Marner's I just, I, I just don't, bit. I don't understand that strategy. I'm sorry, but like, I don't understand investing fifty percent of your cap into four guys. I get it. They're all, they are all stars. They are certified all stars. They are producers. But is that really a re- has that been a recipe for success for you guys? Do you have anything to show for it? No. Yeah. They, you have nothing to show for over for. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna say overpaying, but you were. You have nothing to show for putting forth so much money into four guys on your offense and letting the rest of the team suffer. Yeah, I I loved their team last year, dude. I thought last year they were one of the best rosters in the league after the deadline with the moves they made. But you know they run to that hot Florida team, and next thing you know they're in cap hell again. Their defense has aged out in the blink of an eye. TJ Brody is a shell of his former self. John Klingberg, why the fuck you gave that guy the contract he did? I will never understand that. Him being on LTIR for a legitimate reason actually is a blessing for you because you got a little bit of flexibility now. But you've got Morgan Riley as the only real <laughs> top four defenseman on your team, and that is not a recipe for success. Like I said, you commit so much to these four guys, and you have average goaltending you have really old defensemen and you have no like supplemental scoring coming from your third and fourth lines and and it looked like they were going to with domi and bertuzzi domi actually has been playing well as of late but tyler bertuzzi i don't know what the hell happened to him man one times 30 goal scorer in detroit looked good with boston as soon as he went to toronto man he turned into a fucking pumpkin Thank God they yeah. only signed him to a one-year deal because that guy is just not working out for them whatsoever. He's not bringing he twenty. He's not bringing twenty the points in forty-five games or the fucking or the scoring. It's it makes no sense. Yeah, he only has. I mean, he has 20, 20 points in forty-five games, and only six of those are tickling the twine. So Domi has twenty-four and forty-five, but that's about what you expect out of him. Well, and Domi, um, Domi took a while to get going too, but he's been on a pretty solid pace as of late, if I'm not mistaken. Like he's, he's started to round into form and found some chemistry with guys. Like his, his recent pace is much higher than it was at the start of the season. Yeah. Kelly Yarncroak, guys like that. David Kampf, like camp. I know how to say it funny. Um, <laughs> like their fourth line's not really contributing, contributing anything whatsoever, you know, up and down that third and fourth line. I don't know. It just feels like they could be a lot more. If they're not going to be productive on the score sheet, they need to be better in every other as, you know aspect of the game. And I don't feel it when I watch that team. Yeah. Every time I go, every time I go to a Leafs game, I go, "Who's going to fuck up? Who's not going to you know? Who's not going to be in the right spot at the right time? And how high scoring is this game going to be?" Well, and Kampf, Kampf is very good defensively, but he doesn't bring you yeah. anything on offense. So like, you need to no. have him with some guys who can kind of produce a little bit, or just use him in a shutdown role. Cal yes. Yarncroft actually has been getting some looks in the top six here lately, which is kind of surprising. He, he hasn't looked bad there, honestly. He has, is, ten, he, has, he has ten goals. I yeah, mean. yeah. I mean, he's he's been decent, but like it's and like the forwards, I'm really not that worried about. It's just like the blue line is awful, and the way that they play. This will be my last note on the Leafs here. They, it it seems like they're always just going for these fancy hope plays. They want to make like the superstar plays where they're just sending pucks to the middle of the ice, trying to do cross crease passes through five fucking players that they aren't really focusing on what gave them success last year and years prior, where they do that low to high cycle. They, they 
keep you in your zone for a while. They wear you down a little bit before trying to make something happen. It's like as soon as they cross the blue line, they're trying to send the puck to the most dangerous area that's very well defended because you're catching a team who knows what's coming. Results in a turnover ends up in the back of your net. So, like, they've got to just get a little bit more patience. They've got to be a little bit more methodical up and down the lineup because you know their defense isn't just making hero plays on two-on-ones. It's just an ass roster, dude. It is a absolute ass roster because you've still got because also on your long term IR is Jake Muzzin, Matt Murray. Jake Muzzin, I think, is done, unfortunately. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Thirty-four years old. Yeah. Um, Matt Murray sitting there, long term IR. John Klingberg sitting there on long term IR. Between just those two guys, there's eight million dollars sitting on long-term IR. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, again, it's like a blessing now, really, because they can, they have a little bit of flexibility to make some moves ahead of the deadline here, but they got to make the right ones. They got to bring in some defense who can really play the way the Leafs want to play. And I, I don't know what that is right now because they're, like I said, like they're, they're turnover machines in the offensive zone. They have no patience, no sustainability there. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is a guy like Chris Tanev, who is a good shutdown defenseman. But when you really think about it, does that guy fit the mold of this team? It's almost like when we saw Timo Meyer go to Jersey last year, it's like, yeah, this is great. This is a guy who's good at like grinding along the wall and battling in front of the net, but that's not really Jersey style. They're, they're more of like a fast kill you off the rush with speed team. And Meyer hasn't really fit there. Well, will Chris Tanev be the same way in Toronto? Will he be able to play the way they want to play. So you got to find the right guys who can attack the way you want to attack, defend the way you want to defend. And I don't know who that is right now. Let's not forget that you also have, you also have 40 year old Mark Giordano on that defense too. Yeah. We could, we could speculate on who would be a good fit there, but that is a topic for our podcast. Let's go on off from a team uh, in Toronto that is underwhelming the entire hockey world to a team that is blowing it away. The Edmonton Oilers. They are currently third in the Pacific after being absolutely dead after they lost to the San Jose Sharks. They have stormed back 14 consecutive wins now. Also, side note, shout out to Sam Gagne, first guy in uh, NHL history now, to be on two different teams with a 14-plus game winning streak. Uh, Edmonton took care of Columbus last night to earn that victory, as well as winning a contentious battle of Alberta over the weekend, 3-1 in Calgary since we last brought them up, as well as a win over the Seattle Kraken. They take on the Chicago Blackhawks uh, Thursday night, the day you will probably hear this. And then they go uh, and they host Nashville for that 16th straight win, which would be second all-time tied with the Columbus Blue Jackets on Sunday. And then we have the All-Star break and that 17th to tie the Pittsburgh Penguins for longest in NHL history. You ready for this, boys? They have to go to Vegas. That'll be a huge <laughs> fucking game if Edmonton keeps this up. If, if Edmonton gets there, hoo-hoo boy, yeah. watch out. That And, like, when it's going your way, when you're getting the bounces, you're getting the bounces. All the bad luck they had early in the season, which, like, a lot of it was their play style, too, but they, they were getting some bad bounces as well. They're getting the bounces now. I mean, just watching that Columbus game, they were thoroughly outplayed to everyone's surprise by the Jackets in the first yeah. few periods. Stuart Skinner yeah. making a million great saves. Edmonton lackadaisically turning over the puck. They capitalize on a couple quick ones in the third and game over. That's, I mean, when when you're hot, you're hot. 
and they've got so much talent and they just added a little bit more. They bring in Corey Perry from, you know, whatever went down with him in Chicago. He's, he's cleared and ready to go and hyped to be part of the Oilers now. So I'm, I'm excited to see him get a shot. Maybe he'll lose in the cup final again. That, that would be heartbreaking, but we'll see. Keep him, keep him away from a superstar named Connor's mom and the Edmonton Oilers have a good chance oh, of, of having success. No. Um, Did you guys see John yeah, Scott came out and said that, uh, that, that he, he, uh, on his podcast, he was saying that Corey Perry got drunk and made a pass at a team employee who worked for NBC. So a little yeah. digging that, uh, that team employee that works for NBC apparently is Chris Chelios's daughter. And then John Scott comes out and walks his comments back the next day. So we, we think we might have known what happened, and then maybe he got a little pee pee whack for spilling the beans on the podcast. But that's all speculation. There, the Corey Shout Perry saga to, continues. Shout out to John Scott, man. I love his podcast. Yeah, he's he's solid guy, uh, dude. NHL yeah. All Star MVP, John Scott. Yeah, do not besmirch his great name down there, Nate. I can see you over there. Um. Yeah, man, Nate, we were talking about how Edmonton, if they win the next two, go to the All-Star break, that record-tying 17th will be uh, in Vegas. So hopefully they can win the next two, and that would be an absolute gong show on February 6th, seeing how uh, how they play, you know, assuming they could, they could take that record. Not that anybody there is ever going to comment on the record. They don't care. Conor no. McDavid would go to the media and go, doesn't mean anything until we win 16 games in the postseason, you know, in playoffs. That's the only time winning 16 games – will matter to Connor McDavid. I can already hear hear that interview. So, um, you know, we're, uh, we, we've hopped around a little bit. We've talked about the Metro. We've talked about, you know, the Pacific a little bit. Is there anything you guys want to talk about in the Central Division um, going on going on right now? I don't know if I have anything in the Central, but I do want to bounce back over to the Pacific real quick. We talked uh, about – Real quick, actually, actually, I got something real quick. Go how ahead, about the ahead. fact – how about the fact of we got this nice little budding rivalry going on between Arizona and Florida, like – coming out of fucking nowhere but these teams are getting chippy with each other we had a we had mitts we had mitts dropped at opening puck drop tonight no i'm way. watching it right now i'm watching it yeah. right now i mean it's four nothing it's four nothing panthers but i've got i've got five nothing buddy so you're oh, behind a little bit yeah oh it is five nothing my bad yeah and i'm uh and i'm sweating a little bit because i've got under seven and a half in this game tonight so <laughs> i was like what the i'm like what the fuck man i saw three goals in the first i was like oh shit two in the oh, second dude. Two of them, two of them were within a minute of each other too. It was just Gong Show City, USA defensively for the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting one. And then tonight, or uh, and then also going on right now, we've got a nice little uh, battle between the Jets and the Leafs. So interesting to see how that one turns out. Yeah, Winnipeg, that's, man. that's a right big now. matchup. Um, something else I want to say here though, you talked about the Oilers losing to the Sharks when they were totally dead. The team they just passed again to third place just lost to the Sharks. Oh, dude. The The LA Kings Kings. are falling apart at the seams, boys. They started Mm -hmm. so hot. Two, six, and five here in their last little run. Just, I mean, they're just not clicking whatsoever. And the the perpetual whipping boy that we keep bringing up here, man, the the whole hockey world is bringing them up now. They're, They're starting to get onto his shit a little bit. Pierre-Luc Dubois, is ju- he cannot be bothered to even battle for a puck. I mean, you watch him in a corner, he's straight-legged, just kind of like waiting it out, seeing where it goes, not getting into the dirty grind of it. 
he was on the ice for all three Sharks goals the other night. Just, I mean, it, Todd McClellan's had it with his shit, man. He he benched him for most of the third period. He he was like, he, yeah, he's got to figure it out in the post-game comments. It's, this is not looking like a good signing for the Kings whatsoever right now. And the their whole team is just really, really struggling to find their form at the moment. I tweeted this the other day, and I would love to hear thoughts from everybody here. I said, man, PLD has played the system so well. Force your way to a place you want to be, get paid, and still not give a fuck. And he picked, and this is where I'll get hate, there are amazing Kings fans out there. He picked a great market to not give a fuck in. Yeah. (laughs) People in L.A., people in L.A., if you're going to not give a shit and make the money, L.A. and Miami are the two best markets in America to do it. Absolutely, because all they care about is fucking Lakers. Dude. It, that is just some rock star shit right there, man. He's going out, lounging on the beach all day, probably passed out in the sun, alarm goes off, oh shit, time to go to work. Go to the game, just kind of mail it in for a little bit, go back home and fall asleep on his $8.5 million mattress. Like, it, that is some rock star shit right there, just shoving it down the throat of every GM in the league. It's, it, do whatever you want, but it's, I, I respect it kind of, just like, let me just game the system as much as I can. But his teammates cannot be happy. Oh, my God. Just the way they play, too, you know? Like, we talk about it. I said Philip Denault earlier it, it is the sandpaper of that team. And Anzi Kopitar, Kopitar, too, yeah. is absolutely not, you know, not a pushover. You know, uh, Gavrikov's a guy that throws his body around out there. Drew they Doughty, have those, too. Drew Doughty's been there forever. And the thing is, Kings fans have seen success. They've won two cups. You know, Drew Doughty was there when they, most of that team is gone now, obviously, but Kopitar and Doughty are still there. They remember what it's like to taste success. They're a good team. Pierre-Luc Dubois, by the way, the Winnipeg Jets have won that trade 12 times over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Patrick Laine is always injured in Columbus, and they have flipped Pierre, and they made playoffs with Dubois. Columbus never made playoffs with Laine, and then they flipped him for what they're doing now. Some very, very key guys on their team now. I have following Velarde slaughtered that fucking trade in two different ways. Good for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it's, I, I mean. That guy, like, that guy's such a piece of shit, man. Like, I'm sorry, dude, but you're you're paid how much money to play a game that, you're, that you supposedly love? Fucking act like you like the game, dude. And if you don't like the game, if you don't like the game, dude, fuck off. I, I did see something the other day that cracked me up. So the Kings tied it late in that Sharks game to put it to overtime, and Somebody's like, man, must really suck to be Dubois when you hate work so much and your teammate ties it and makes you play some fucking overtime. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. We have to keep, it's like the kid that like his dad makes him play baseball and it's like, Oh, I really want the rain out tonight. And then the rain stops. Like, no, we have to go to the game now. No. Yeah, dude, that was me as a kid. I was, I was one of those kids. My dad was huge baseball guy. I was not a baseball guy. Not I was the kid picking grass in the fucking outfield and just like waiting for practice to end. And you know, I found other sports that I'm passionate about, but you know, sometimes it's just it's not your thing and Dubois has turned not his thing into a lot of fucking money and it's, you know, good for him. Rockstar shit is the best way to put it. That is exactly what Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, is acting like right now. We don't know. We don't talk to Pierre-Luc Dubois. We have no idea what goes on 
in his brain, but we you know, but by his play on the ice, we have a pretty good idea what's going on up there. So yeah, man, the Kings are falling down now, third, fourth in the Pacific Division. Um, the rest of that team, I like. I like everything they do. I like what you know. I, I'm eating my words all year on Quentin Byfield. I think they've had their moments this year um, as a unit, where it's like, man, this team could make some noise. But if you're going to have a guy like PLD, that is just a cancer, and you got to get it removed. So that the whole room will feel his lack of wherewithal and his lack of effort for lack of a better term, to be honest, you know, that'll be felt in there and it'll cause, if it's not causing problems now, it will very soon. So uh-huh. yeah, it, just it's a show us at least a little bit of a knee bend when you're out there, dude, he's just fucking figure skating around the ice. He's just chilling. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up tonight, boys, and I wanted to see where everybody's thoughts were on this heart Memorial trophy right now. I see a lot of things thrown out there. You know whose name I don't see thrown out there? Who's that? Sam Reinhardt. Mm. Because Nathan McKinnon is fucking a dog this year. Nathan McKinnon. I mean, McDavid might be back in the fucking... He's already forced his way kind of back into the mix now after a slow start. You got Matthews scoring fucking eight goals a game. I, Sam so Reinhardt... Right now, Sam Reinhardt's right having now, a hell of a year, but the Florida, he's not the most valuable player to the Florida Panthers. I would say that. Right now, Sam Reinhardt's... Sam Reinhardt's uh, heart trophy odds are plus 5,500. Just to give you an idea. Um, Sam you know, Reinhardt Memorial Trophy. I throw some money on it if you want, Phil. It's I don't think it's happening. I mean, Nathan McKinnon's sitting there at plus 130, then McDavid plus 260, Kucherov plus 290. Oh, I forgot about Post- Kucherov and Pasternak. Pasta's, at, Pasta's plus 1,100. I might have to throw some money on that, dude. That's, and my, and Matthews, Matthews is plus 13. Yeah. Yeah, Pasternak, I completely forgot that. He's like that team's entire offense. Let's also not forget about a guy also named Artemi Panarin. Yeah. That is having himself that he went bald for this year, dude. He was on a revenge tour. Yeah, he's the Rangers gotta get it going a little bit here though. They've been they've been in a little bit of a slump as well. Much needed they've been win against around. the Sharks. Um they 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 just they gotta kind of find their form again. It's January, though I'm sure they'll be there at the end, but they and they're still leading the metro, but they they gotta right the ship a little bit. We're in the dog days, man. Yeah. This, these are the dog these are the dog days of the season. The all-star break will be a nice little, you know, whatever. I love, by the way, Seth Jarvis uh, in his interview. Like, would you like the fans, you know, they're voting, you're talking about voting you into the all-star game. And he's like, no, I'm going to warm weather. I'm going to Mexico. It's not refundable. Don't send me. He saw yeah, the, Phil. he saw the Bjork strand and was like, I am absolutely not dealing with this. Do not vote for me. I want to go lay on the beach for three days and let my body relax. Yeah. Phil, could I interest you in, Plus eight fifty on Sam Reinhart to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. That would be a fun bet. Can he keep scoring? And he has one tonight, if not two. I haven't seen the last two goals, but I saw him on the power play. Had a, you know, once again, a nice power play goal. Um, yeah, the Rocket Richard is interesting. Him and Matthews fighting for that. Uh, is right definitely- now, it's right now it's Austin Matthews is your favorite at minus three hundred, and then and and then Pasta at plus six fifty. Both, I mean, anybody but Matthews is value right now. And then, and then Reinhardt's plus eight fifty, and then McKinnon plus twenty five hundred. Same with Kucherov. Okay. Yeah. Okay. By the <laughs> way, boys. Ma- and then Miko Rantanen at plus four thousand. 
I love that. Put 10, 10 bucks on Rantanen, take a vacation. Um, I uh, just found out today, boys, March 1st, we can download all the apps in North Carolina, and then March 11th, the first day of the ACC basketball tournament, that is the first day you can start laying bets. So um, March 11th is our first day here in North Carolina that we'll be able to, you know, we'll have 10 days of downloading the apps, getting all your free plays in, getting your shit lined up, and then the 11th, bam, we're off off to the races. So we have our date. Thank God. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's about five. It's about Congratulations. Time. Congratulations. Yeah. It's, a, it's about fucking time. So it's rare uh, that the boy. government gives you rights instead of taking them away. I know, right? What what kind of world am I living in down here? I have no idea. Um, where my country? Where my country gone? Where, uh, boys? Do we have any anything else we want to talk about? Any other topics or you know discussions we want to have before we wrap up this episode? Um, I don't think so. I got one here. Uh, we talked earlier this season about Joe Thornton announcing his retirement. Uh, the Sharks now have decided to retire his number nineteen. Uh, kind of figured this would happen, but big honor for him. Just you know, awesome dude. Can't say enough about him. Happy for Joe Thornton. That's going to be a hell of a ceremony. I hope he's shirtless. Oh, I, he'll probably rip the fucking jersey off his back so they can take it up to the rafters and just skate around tarps off there on the ice. They just take him up to the rafters and then he yeah. vanishes and no, nobody knows where he went. No, he just stays up there forever. <laughs> Joe Thornton just chill, chilling up there. It'll be like, uh, you remember when they had uh, the mascot go to rappel down from the ceiling, the SJ Sharky? And the guy was, like, passed out in the mascot costume, and he was just, like, limp, slowly dropping down. Was he hammered or something? Dude, I don't know. I, I, I would have to look at the story. Scared, it's been a while. Scared of heights? Maybe. Scared of heights passed out? Yeah, did, got yeah the did, did, or take, some, take some Valium. Dude, it was out. a morbid scene. Like, just... And it's, like, the slow fucking descent. That'd be, that'd be traumatizing. That'd be traumatizing. Dude, imagine Absolutely. being a kid like, like, SJ Sharky's yeah. dead? Oh, yeah, my dude, God. The, it's, he's just hanging from a fucking noose from the rafters of the Jesus. Oh, SAP is, Center. That is a tough, tough scene, boys. Nate, do you have anything you want to say for final words before we wrap this up? Nada. I got nothing. Thanks for hey, surviving. Right. Thanks for surviving and carrying tonight, boys. <laughs> Hey, it's all good, brother. We appreciate your flu game. Aaron, do you have any final words? That's it, man. That's it for me. Boys, I went on Beerly Football last night. Absolute gong show. Uh, it was fun. So to the listeners, if you don't enjoy, be- you know, haven't listened to Beerly Football yet, I uh, recommend you check them out. Uh, if you want to hear, uh, as they call me, Raspy Razor talk a little bit of football instead of hockey. But uh, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Beerly Hockey. Check out our Instagram page, Beerly Sports. Check out the merch store there as well. If Gary Bettman hates your team, be sure to buy a shirt, wear it proudly, and tell Gary Bettman to go fuck himself. So uh, that'll wrap up this episode of the Beerly Hockey Podcast for Nate McBride and Aaron Kinney. I'm Phil Razor saying Beerly Hockey. Here's well with Bruce. Hell of a broadcast, boys. <laughs>